A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out, and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Here's a little snippet by one of the authors from the anthology. My name is Sarah McCall. I am so happy to have contributed to Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids, which is the funniest title ever. My essay is called The Circular Breast, and what I really don't have time for is finishing books I don't love. I used to feel a sense of duty, but now if I don't love it, I let it go. Chibundu Anuzu is the author of Sankofa, a novel. Chibundu was born in Lagos, Nigeria, and lives in London. A fellow of the Royal Society of Literature and regular contributor to The Guardian, she is the winner of a Betty Trask Award, has been shortlisted for the Dylan Thomas Prize, the Commonwealth Book Prize, and the RSL Encore Award, and has been longlisted for the Desmond Elliott Prize and Etzelat Literature Prize. She was also a Reese's Book Club pick for Sankofa, the author of Welcome to Lagos. Sankofa, this is her third novel. Welcome, Chibundu. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Sankofa. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. And congratulations on being a Reese's book pick and an Amazon editor's pick and like everything, book review. (laughs) I mean, oh my gosh. Thank you. So much success. Were you like prepared for that? Has it been a whirlwind or what? I was prepared for some of it, but definitely not all of it. I think, so we knew about the Reese's pick before and we knew about Amazon as well, but I, I was... I didn't know to what extent Amazon. So yes, I was very excited to see a billboard. I've never had a billboard in my nine years of being a published writer. So yes, that was definitely a career milestone. Wow. That's just amazing. I love it. So can you please tell listeners who might not know what your book is about a little bit about it? Sorry to make you do this like elevator pitch, but I do think it's useful if people are out and about listening today and don't know what Sankofa is about. Okay. So Sankofa is a novel about 
Anna Graham, she's 48 and her mother has just died. Her marriage is falling apart. And yeah, she's just having a, her life is sort of adrift when she discovers a diary when she's going through her mother's things. So it's a diary written by the father she's never met. And then she sets off on this discovery to find out who her father, Francis Agre, was or is is slash was who her father well yeah once you read the book you realize that <laughs> the man in the diary and her father in real life may not necessarily be the same people anymore so yes <laughs> well don't give anything away well that's like part of the fun is that you get to discover along with the protagonist like what's going on who is her father what was how did he even meet her mom what did, how did he feel about it what was he doing and you know like the whole thing and I feel like we got to snoop it's the best feeling right being able to read someone else's diary and and learn about it plus the diary is not just like of her potential dad's musings right it's a lot of political in you know and timely historical commentary because what he was doing was was really interesting in and of its own right so i loved how you blended all of that with just you know his flatmate and what's going on and you know all of that thank you (laughs) did you always did was the diary piece of it always part like what was the germ of the idea for you so the germ of the idea was the research i did from him so i have a phd and i did it on a group called the west african students union which had sort of West African students in the 20s, 1930s, 1940s in London. And so I actually read a lot of their first-person accounts of this period. So that's why I knew that I was definitely going to have a diary because I was very interested in the lives of these men. And it was mostly men who went on to be these great political figures. I was very interested in this time in their lives before they became the famous men that we all knew. And so, yeah, that was the gem of the idea. Very interesting. Well, you know, as I said, I also really like seeing the development of the relationship with her mom and, you know, living that in real time. And you have this one passage. Let's see. Can I read from the diary? Mm-hmm. You say, what kind of love, this is Francis speaking. What kind of love is this for a girl never to be seen walking out with her man to be sneaking to my room at night? Like ours is a transaction. Yet I lie in bed each night waiting for the sound of the door opening. I go through my lectures in a daze. I no longer visit Thomas, his friend. I saw my results and was neither pleased nor displeased by them. It is only Bronwyn I think of. And then you go on to say feverish as this is now the narrator feverish as feverish as his tone was. Francis Agri's affair with my mother was not a grand passion. If he wanted to stay in touch, he could simply have written a letter. He had rejected my mother. There was nothing to suggest he would not reject me tomorrow. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. It's always such a crazy thing to think about your parents as in their own relationship, right? It's so Mm -hmm. uncomfortable and bizarre. So it's like she has to go through all of that cringeworthy stuff to get <laughs> get to the you know her own relationship formed. So tell me a little bit more about right like developing the characters for this book and how you decided on like who was going to be who and how the how you crafted the plot and like all the good juicy stuff. So the first big decision I had to make was who would actually be the main narrator in the story. So I chose Anna to be the narrator instead of her father eventually, because I felt like you have a lot of first person narratives of these great men. 
you don't have as many as I would like, but you still have, for example, the autobiography of Kwame Nkrumah. You still have Joe Appiah's memoirs. You still have, you know, Namdi Azikiwe, that's another independence leader. You still have their memoirs, whereas their children and their family and their families and, you know, all the other people that supported these great men, the so-called supporting cast, you don't hear from them enough. So I decided that Anna would tell the story. So that was the first thing, who's going to be my main narrator. And then the next thing was, because I was so much younger than Anna when I started, I was in my mid-20s and Anna is 48. And I thought, gosh, she's so much older than I am. And her concerns are so different from mine. I think. Just be careful. I'm 45 years old. So don't say anything too mean oh, about well, well, well. your 40s. <laughs> well, I think, well, okay, well, tell me if I'm wrong. But at 24, whoa, what was my main concern? Like my skincare and like, <laughs> making sure my Instagram was color coordinated. Okay, I know, I, I'm pretty sure that by the time I reach my 40s, my, my, my priorities will have, well, hopefully they would have changed. I don't know. I'm still pretty concerned with my Instagram and my <laughs> are you telling me it doesn't get better are you telling me i'm still going to be obsessing about like my picture size oh dear and the you filters might. yeah i don't know if that goes away but okay anyway <laughs> anyways but i did feel i did feel i had to search out the voices of women in their forces especially maybe things have changed a little now but i started the novel maybe six years ago and i just felt you know magazine covers you know, it's mostly women in their teens, their 20s, maybe their 30s on television, in the TV series you watch. Yeah, I just felt that there's there's a sort of erasure, like just sort of slowly sort of pushing older women out of out of the quote unquote mainstream. And so I listened to a lot of podcasts, actually, which is why it's nice to come on a podcast like this. Oh, I Yes, I listen to a lot of, and I feel like that's one thing the podcast space has done. So even if, you know, a radio show or a TV show or whoever isn't going to give you a platform, then you just make your own platform. So I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, actually. One of them in particular, Women's Hour, it happens every weekday in the UK. It's a radio program. And they just bring on women of all ages. And you don't have to be exceptional. So you don't have to be Dame Judi Dench or like Helen Mirren or like an Oscar winner to be sort of a woman in their 50s or 60s sort of giving a platform on the show. You can just just be an ordinary woman and sort of have your time. Yeah. Interesting. Podcast as like background character research. I like it. <laughs> that is awesome. And so you wrote your first book and got it published when you, a publishing deal when you were 21. Is that right? That's what I read. I was like, that can't be right. Yeah. Yeah. So I got my due when I was 19, actually. 19? Yes, and it came out I, when you were 21? Yes, it came out when I was 21. Oh yeah. my gosh. How, <laughs> that is wild. I don't even know what to ask about that other than like, that must've been insane and amazing. Yeah. I don't think I knew how to enjoy it. I think as they say, now from my grand old age of 30, I can say that youth, <laughs> is, youth is wasted on the young. <laughs> yes. But I just remember feeling very overwhelmed. I, I just didn't know how to enjoy it. I was just always sort of, am I going to make a mistake? Especially when I would go on things like this, when I'd have interviews. And I'd always sort of feel not smart enough and not, not like eloquent enough and not clued up. And especially, especially if it was a panel interview. And so you'd have other people and then you'd, I'd just be comparing myself to everybody else. Like I wouldn't go back to my 20s for anything. <laughs> for anything. <laughs> <laughs> they were so, they were so fraught with always sort of thinking, how am I appearing? How am I looking? And it's just like you need to, yeah. Can't you just yeah. enjoy life? Yes. 
It's exhausting. That, is, that <laughs> I I agree. Wow. You know, people assume that when you had all this success, you feel great. Like people would never think that like, look at this woman, look at all she's achieved. She's the one inside feeling like she's not as good as these other people when so many people want to be you in that scenario. Mm. You know, it's really nice to hear you being open about all of that. I mean, I, I interviewed, there was this really popular book a long time ago. I don't know if you read it. The Devil Wears Prada. It became a movie. It's like, you yes, know, yes. you know. Anyway, I interviewed Lauren Weisberger about it because she, that was a long time ago, right? And she was very, very young and it became a huge hit and a movie and like this whole big thing. And she didn't know what to expect. And it's, it's a very similar story. I should like connect you unexpectedly, you get, you know, because she was like, I didn't know. And now she's writing. She's closer to my age around there. But in her twenties, she's like, I had all this success. It just like fell in my lap. I didn't know how hard. I didn't know how to appreciate that it was, you know, you know that logically, but anyway, I'm not saying this very well, but I think she gets You are. Instead of appreciating it, you just sort of worry. Yeah. (laughs) Spend all this time worrying. Um, And I think yeah, now sort of like with Sankofa, I can, can, having learned that lesson at 21, I can sort of enjoy, enjoy the things. I'm like, you know, this is fun. You know, don't take it too seriously. Don't um, just, just enjoy it, you know. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything, it might be time to work on those things. And I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because... Even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help, and I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. So 
despite getting your novel published at 21, you go on to get a master's and PhD anyway. You're like, I'm still on this path. Did you ever consider just like going off and being a writer at that point? Or were you always determined for a P- to get a PhD? There was no money. There was no <laughs> money. What are you talking about? Who makes money from their first novel? Unless you write The Devil Wears Prada. Um, no. So it's so interesting. With The Spider King's Daughter, and I remember because from, I guess, you know, it was sort of like a great news story. So I got a lot of news features. I was on CNN, I was on BBC. And so I guess people just assume once they see you in the press that now, you know, you're now rolling in cash. And it's like, uh, no, I cannot <laughs> get like Sainsbury's and say, well, here's my CNN feature. Please, can I have some groceries? <laughs> it doesn't work like that. You need cash. So no, I did, I mean... It was great, like sort of having all the press and the attention, but like, and they and they sold well. I guess you know they earned out their advance, but that's still well below minimum wage. So my plan was to, well, it wasn't really my plan. It was a suggested <laughs> plan. It was a plan suggested to me by all the well-meaning adults in my life, which was do a master's, do a PhD, and then you can lecture at a university, and then that will sort of be like a stable job. And then you can write in the evenings. Um, so yes, I did the masters, and then I did the PhD, and then I lectured for a year at a university. And then I was like, I don't want to do this. I'm wasting <laughs> my twenties. Um, but now I'm a full time writer. So there we go. We ended up right at the same place. But I think the PhD helped. There would be no Sankofa without the PhD because again, all the material for Sankofa all the sort of historical material for Sankofa came from the PhD. But then also, I think, yeah, just sort of being older, you can pivot better. So now I've started writing for television, for example, um, and sort of moving into that space more. And so now I can sort of think creatively about writing. And yes, it would be nice to make all my money from my novels, (laughs) but, you know, there are other things, there's other writing you can do that is also creative to make money. So, yeah. Interesting. I mean, I would think getting a PhD would not necessarily be the biggest money maker either after, you know, spending an extra five years in school or something like that. Who was advising me? Zubi, who? Who are these terrible people? I, who, 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 I should have gone to work in a bank. I was going to say, there are ways. I mean, you know. <laughs> uh, that's really funny. Yeah. I was advised to go to business school, even though I wanted to be a writer too. But, you know, who's going to just be a writer? Also, you'd like need all this experience, right? Like I remember I interned at this magazine when I was in college still at Vanity Fair. And my job was to like file the contracts for all these big deal authors. And I was like, but I want to be the big deal author. I don't want to be filing the contracts. Like, and I looked around and I was like, there is no path here to like go from the file person to the writer person. I was like, I got to get out of the magazine industry yeah, and like figure out a new way. And you have, especially when you want to do something creative, you have to figure out your own road. There is no one way. And I think that's what a lot of people find scary. Yeah. There's no one way. Yeah. You might as well get your PhD and, you know, and how great that, I mean, maybe it was good advice. Cause as you said, you used it all and you made this great book and you know, exactly. it's like, so who knows? Yeah. Life is weird. And now Reese Witherspoon likes my book. No PhD, no Reese Witherspoon. So. That's right. Yeah. So maybe now applications to PhD programs will rise after exactly. your, your degree. Like, this is the path to getting a Reese book club pick. Yes. Do four years of a PhD, write <laughs> a book about it, and then there you go. Finish. There you go. Yeah. Done. Amazing. 
watch out, PhD admissions officers. You yeah. will be flooded very soon. <laughs> we should make this a masterclass. We are on our way. That can be another money spinner. True. I, did, I taught a class the other night. I was like, this is the most fun I've ever had. People are listening to me and they paid me for this class. So I can't <laughs> exactly. believe it. I'm used to doing all these Zooms. Like it would never occur to me. I do Zooms like night and day. Anyway, it was the coolest thing. So yeah, I highly, rec- <laughs> I highly recommend it. I'm like, I think I just want to be a teacher. Anyway. Okay. So what's coming next for you? Tell me TV writing, another novel. Like what are you, what are you doing in your day to day life now? I want to make more music. So I, I released a single to go along with Sankofa called Good Soil. And I really enjoyed doing that, actually. So I'm going to make more music. I'm definitely going to re- release another single this year. Well, by God's grace, release another one this year. And then, I don't know, we'll see what next happens with the music. TV writing, yes. TV writing is another sort of I almost feel like I'm learning a new job, a new job that has a lot of rejection. And um, so, yes, if anyone thinks writing novels, you get rejected, you know, and just come into television. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, if, if, if you think, if you feel like you haven't had enough rejection in your life, um, <laughs> right for TV. And then what else? I'm working on a children's novel as well, sort of in between stuff for TV. Yeah. I'm working on a children's novel. I have an 11-year-old niece. And she keeps saying, because she's not allowed to read my novels, apparently. They're too adult for her. Mm -hmm. So she keeps saying, when are you going to write a book I can read? When are you going to write a book I can read? So now I'm going to attempt to write a book she can read. But the problem is novels take so long that she might be like 16 or 17 by the time I finish. In which case, she can just read my other novels. There you go. It's a win-win. There are other children in the world, except my niece. So yeah, there we go. I mean, I've got some kids. They'll they'll oh, read oh, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so what advice would you have for aspiring authors aside from go get your PhD and live a completely untraditional path? <laughs> what advice would I have for aspiring authors? Well, I would tell them, draw closer listeners for this. I would tell them, stop asking for advice. <laughs> You don't need any advice. You you have everything you need. You know, I think a lot of, um, a lot of things, because things that you create, they come from inside you. So then you don't need anybody external to tell you about what's inside you. You know best the novel that's in you or the song that's in you or the film play that's in you. And I'm not saying that you can't take sort of inspiration from people outside, but I think advice on how best to bring out the story inside you. You know, you you know best, you know best for your project. And I think generally most people who do want to be writers or who are writers, you know, you have all the advice you need anyway. There's nothing new that I'm going to say, you know, read widely, start, you know, writers are people who write and the barriers to entry are low. You don't even need a laptop, get a piece of paper, get a pencil, get a notebook and start. So I don't think I have anything particularly profound to say. So yeah, you don't need my advice. Okay. Just do it. I'll just delete this whole section of the interview. I'll just (laughs) forget it. And then she, yeah, goodbye. (laughs) All right. Well, Chibundu, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on Mom's No Time to Read Books. Congratulations. I'm excited to follow whatever happens next for you. And yeah, enjoy it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. 
Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.